Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to the 2023 NBA season preview. As most of you know, it's a tradition around these parts for the one and only Dave Dufour to come by. I mean, this is like all we do is we just like preview stuff. And Dave, I, I before we catch up and, you know, get into things, I got to say after going back and listening to last year's show, I, I, I just wanted to retire right there. I think we should have, we should have like Costanza, we should have just left and been like, this is the last preview show. We're never previewing anything anymore. That's the last taste. This year, we're like, going to spend the next hour doing a preview show and a week later people are going to be like what what basketball were those guys watching were we that good i it was it was a great show yeah we we we, we, we nailed it i, I mean listen I, I know it was a great show but um nailing it doesn't make it a great show to me well that's true i shouldn't yeah. say though those those two things are, are separate. <laughs> totally separate maybe maybe the show was terrible um but we actually we had the basketball dialed in on the show so we I want to I want to ask you something before we get started. We always like to talk about, you know, things outside basketball before we get going. We had a famous uh, Game of Thrones episode recap oh, once man. before we started. Remember that? Yeah. So, I think it was last year you asked me about an upcoming movie that I was excited to see. Do you remember this? You said think of a think of a movie that's coming out that you're excited to see. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I said Top Gun Maverick. And you you gave me a hard time about Top Gun. Dave, have you seen Top Gun Maverick? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. You're, I'm just, not, it's not. You're, just, you're just going deeper. You're just digging, Listen, digging man, the, yourself deeper. I didn't really like the first Top Gun. Um, and, you know, I say this as someone who has ridden a motorcycle next to a flight line, next to a plane as it was going to take off. And it's very cool. But Top Gun is not, I don't know, man, it's not that good. And. It just it's not for me. And I love Tom Cruise. I love Tom Cruise. I'm I'm so pumped for the next Mission Impossible movie. Did you I don't know if you saw the teaser, but guys like climbing on a plane for the you're, teaser. It's really incredible. I I mean you're that gonna, looks awesome, but Top Gun, not for me, man. Not into Dave, the no. you know, I you know You're I'm telling you, you're gonna come back and you're gonna listen to this show one day and you're gonna say, I cannot believe who this person is who's embodying me right now. At Dave Dufour NBA on Twitter. I'll, I'll just let them Listen, let you know. I'll just say right now, I, I believe that I will ultimately be on the right side of history when it comes to these types of movies. <laughs> you're gonna watch. You're gonna watch Top Gun, and you're gonna text me, and you're gonna be like, "I can't believe." Was Tom Skerritt in this one? Look, you top this. I I can't. I don't even want to give spoilers away. But if you like the latest Mission Impossible movies, this is basically a Top Gun movie that's a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Yeah. Does he fly a plane in it? Is that he is okay. in a plane at Did one point? Did he actually fly the plane? I, I wonder if, if Tom Cruise flew the F fourteen Tomcat or the F sixteen or did they do F thirty five? There's because a there's an F, it's a commercial, there's a, right? There's an F eighteen in it. There's mm-hmm. uh there's one of those stealth. Now if planes. they were flying A tens, if they were flying warthogs, I'm into this movie, okay? Because those just, are th- that's now that's a workhorse. Is I'm Hot Fuzz that. your favorite film? Hot Fuzz is my favorite movie. You're gonna like this movie. That's that's, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Can I get a a Hot Fuzz edition of Top Gun? Can someone make me Top Fuzz or whatever or whatever it would <laughs> top, be? Top Fuzz, hot gun, hot gun. That's what I need. Get me get me uh, you know Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg to make a 
Royal Air Force goes Top Gun. That's what I need. You need Christopher McQuarrie and Simon Pegg and maybe Tom Cruise or something. Did they do a movie together? Did they do one of the Mission Impossibles together? Well, Simon Pegg's in, in Mission Impossible. Right, but Christopher but McQuarrie I don't, I think McQuarrie been, might have He's been doing one. them for a while. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we've got off to a riveting start. Um, but have you been watching any basketball this fall? Uh, I, dude, I watched Eurobasket, and uh, I watched Scoot and Victor, um, which, you know, 18-year-olds on a first-name basis. Um, yeah, I watched that. So, yeah, man, I've, I've seen some hoops. Okay, so let's preview the season by asking about Victor Wembanyama. I mean, I think that seems like a reasonable thing to do, given what he looked like. <laughs> this in this Las is Vegas. the season of Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, how many NBA teams in 2023 will be tanking by January for uh, for Victor? Oh, by January it could be double digits, right? Double. <laughs> Ten, by ten January, I mean, think of it. Look, Portland, Portland is one Damian Lillard stub toe away from t- just pulling the rip. I mean, like they're out. Come on. That team is awful. You've watched them in the preseason. They're they're going to be bad. They've got two turnstiles <laughs> at guard and they have Nurkic, who, uh, I mean, you know, not not exactly looks like he's uh, moving around all that great. Um, that team is not going to be good. So, yeah, I mean, a team that like Portland that seems like they may want to win and try to make the playoffs may, have, you know, flip the script pretty fast. So maybe 10 is so a lot, but we're starting out with like six or seven. It's not they're like already, they're <laughs> right. already starting. They're in and, position. And that doesn't even include Charlotte, who LaMelo's out to start the season. And, and <laughs> frankly, if you're Charlotte, what do you got to play for this year? Everything is kind of, you know, out of your control, gone poorly. Um, and then you didn't help yourself out by improving your team at all. So, and you still got Gordon Hayward. Um, but what does that get you? I, I mean, yeah, it, it should be double digits by January. That's not crazy <laughs> at all. It sounded who's, crazy when I said it, but no, it's not. But who's who's starting out of the gate? Utah. Well, Utah, Utah started <laughs> good, cool. Over the summer. <laughs> they started over the summer. Yeah. Uh, San Antonio started two years ago. Yep. Oklahoma yep. City started five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I mean, that's so that's three right off the bat. Do you think New York would would join the? No, I don't think the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks are going to tank. Now there are going to be some teams that are bad that aren't tanking. Like Houston's not going to win games, but they're not tanking. Wow, Orlando. you don't think you don't think Houston's going to position themselves at some point for a nice twenty win season? You know what? They may only win twenty games, but it's not going to be for lack of trying. I think those guys have a lot of heart, and I think it's important that they have a lot of heart, right? Like losing culture stinks. I don't like it. I'm anti-tanking for that reason. Although this year I can certainly just, I'm going to turn a blind eye to the tanking because I understand it. It makes sense when you have a (laughs) seven foot five guy shooting fadeaway threes. Can Can we discuss my conspiracy theory here? Well, I don't think there's any other place that's going to permit you to discuss it. Except so, for my they, own show. But those they, guys don't, don't want to talk about this. I don't even know if they'll let you on your own they show. They don't want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Victor Wimanyama. San Antonio Spur. There's just, it's going to happen. That's the it's conspiracy gonna happen. theory? You've got the Tony Parker connection. Greg Popovich has already done this for a generational big man. It just lines up. And honestly... If there's a franchise that could handle this sort of uh, unique, let's just call him unique talent, but also person, right? 
I think the Spurs, we should all be pushing the NBA to rig this thing just to ensure that he's in the best environment possible. I want Victor in San Antonio. It's perfect for him. Again, you got the French connection. Hire Boris Diaw as a as a player development coach. He just comes in, teaches Victor how to do all the passing, how to, you know, use the butt that he doesn't have yet. That's what we need. That's what that's what basketball needs. To heal the sport. To heal the sport. We need Victor in <laughs> to San heal Antonio. the sport. <laughs> I, look, I'm still feeling the effects of Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. This is st- you're my heart hurts from that. I hate it. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. But think about all the fights you didn't know about. That's <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> the old days. It's true. Think about all the fights. You know, I, I don't know how, how if you you fought a lot in practice, but I you know I've been a part of a couple. I I'm a I'm a basketball pacifist. I I don't believe in um, striking your teammates in the face as a form mm-hmm. of oppression or intimidation. That's, mm-hmm. that's not oh, my I'm tactic. not into that either, but shit yeah. happens, right? Like, um, it, I've yes. been a part of Not like Draymond did it, though. Never seen that before. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. A little that was a lot to take so in. So in order and, to solve this, we need Victor in San Antonio. Announce it tomorrow, NBA. Just make it happen. Well, you're the resident uh, Golden State Warriors homer here, so it's nice when you come on the pod <laughs> because then people – People say you like the Warriors more than me. You're like you're the only person in media that that I can actually uh, sit next to. It's like when you go out with a friend who is yeah. uh, worse looking than you or something. Um, so the Warriors with this fight, I heard a conspiracy. Well, maybe a rumor is a better word, not a conspiracy. That you think this is going to can I say derail their season? Is that, is I'm that true? W- okay, I'm worried that it could. Okay. And you, did you read Marcus Thompson's piece over at the Athletic? I thought it I thought it was extremely well written, but but I also thought the angle that it came from was exactly right. Draymond Green and the the role that he serves on that team requires so much trust. Like he's able to ride that knife's edge because they all trust that even if he goes too far and gets a first technical, let's say, he's never going to push himself too far to get that second one or it's at least rare. And he's never going to turn on you, right? It's always, he's your weapon toward the opposition. He's never going to turn on you. And then, you know, I think this changes the equation a little bit. Because what if this had happened in a game? Like, this was an emotional situation. We've seen Draymond get emotional during games. And even with teammates, what if he had done this during a game? You know, that that's a, that's a whole way worse situation than what you got here. So... Um, I, I think that that's going to be on a lot of people's minds in that team and in that coaching staff. And I think you're going to see a shorter leash on Draymond. And do you get the same Draymond if he's got a shorter leash? I don't know. Uh, do you buy that they can just move on from it as a team? Yeah. By February, yeah, you're you're playing and, you yeah. know. They, could, I mean, the they other- could move on and by by November, they might go 20-0 and 0 to start the season. You know, This is my thing. It's like it could derail it. Now, theoretically, it could galvanize him. They could he could come back, and maybe he's you know showing a lot of humility. And uh, but is that what you expect? No. Well, I, I expect. just I feel like we've already seen the reactions, and I I just don't think that's the direction. Yeah. That this is going, but I think from the basketball side, 
one of the things that's jumped out to me in the preseason from Golden State is they are crazy deep and they just have all <laughs> these young they just have all these young guys like there was a game Go ahead, hold go ahead, on. Finish your hold point. Finish well, your point. Because I, I was thinking about this earlier before we There was a game they played the other night, and I'm now I'm struggling to remember who it was against, where they started all the bench players, and Poole wasn't even included. It was Moody and Kuminga and Wiseman and DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green. They started against someone else's starting unit, and they looked much better than them. And I was like, this is, this is nuts. This is a team with a ton of depth, which makes you think kind of no matter which direction the early part of the season goes, whether it's injuries or they haven't fully created, you know, recreated the chemistry or trust that you were talking about that we both agree is pretty important in the long term. Like they're just going to win basketball games because they have just a ton of talent that they're always going to put out there. Doesn't that offset that by the time you get to March? It might. And it should. Right. Theoretically. But I was thinking what this team looks like without Draymond Green. Oh, that's a depends that's on a, what you replace him with, right? But but the truth is, he is he feels more replaceable today than at any other point during the dynasty. What if I went with a hot take right out of the gate? Jared Vanderbilt said, for Draymond Green? Oh man, I, I'm I'm in on that. I'm going the opposite direction. <laughs> oh, I'm going in the opposite important? direction. Dave, I feel like he's harder to replace, maybe not than ever, but here's the thing. Draymond Green for like a decade now, and certainly at a championship level going back to 2015, he has been to the defense what Steph Curry has been to the offense. And of course, then we know offensively, he's also a guy who serves as like a a point guard, a glue decision maker. You know, he understands how to get his guys the ball in the right spots and things like that. And if you look at one, one thing I've done all summer with all this historical work we've been doing around here is you look at these long-term plus-minus trends when teams have their stars go on and off the court. Draymond looks like one of the best players ever, regular season and playoffs. And I think it's because when, in this on-off, when like he's off, the, his team is always better when he's on the court. And even in the playoffs, the offenses are always better. Even though, even though the question is like, well, he's getting worse offensively. Is he more replaceable? Those things are true. But I think... What happened last year with them, especially at the beginning of the year, where we talked about how we thought they were going to be good, but they were so good defensively. And you think of Draymond as like a gray beard. But Dave, I rewatched the entire 2015 finals this summer. And I think he was clearly better defensively in 2022 than he was in 2015. And as long as he's in shape and playing well, Everything they have going defensively, I still think he's the he's kind of like the Curry of that side of the ball. So maybe it's just devil's advocate, but I'm kind of going the other way. What, what do you think about this? I, I, you're not wrong, right? I mean, all of this could go either way. He was in the best shape of his career last season, I thought. Yep, yep, he was like, in great that, shape. That was the biggest thing. He was in the best shape. Is he? You know, how do you feel about his condition right now? It's it's. It's okay. It's and within again, range. They went to Japan. That throws off everyone. This happens. Uh, this this is pretty common. Like and it's well known amongst uh, NBA teams, even NFL teams. Like the London trip. Like any kind of big time zone change and big travel. Like it can throw you off. Steve Kerr came out and said he didn't feel like everyone's condition was where it ought to be. That all makes sense to me. But it's can Draymond be in that sort of condition and stay healthy? I, 
I don't know, man. Like the the other stuff becomes a burden if the play isn't there. Yeah, but who who would you replace him with? That's what I'm saying. You could get you. you he's pro- irreplaceable. He's, he's an irreplaceable, irreplaceable yeah. player. Yeah, you, you proposed a great defender. Could you? Well, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt would be fun as but hell. But it wouldn't there. do it. It I wouldn't, mean, it wouldn't get do you it. the same level. No, Jared yeah. Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, is is B minus Ben Simmons. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We want to jump to Brooklyn because I have some thoughts on that. Let's go. Let's go. We're there. I feel like a couple years ago, uh, there were people, I was not one of these people in this camp who were talking about, hey, give Ben Simmons his own team and let him play, let him play Giannis Light, right? And we know a ton has happened since then. But what Brooklyn is asking him to do that's so interesting is to play Draymond Light. That's the role they want him to play, right? And to the point, to the conversation we were just having, I think that's way too much to ask. It's an awful idea. And Giannis is one of the big reasons why. Did you see, I mean, did you see him get bodied under the basket by Giannis? That was an an offensive foul. I I know it was an offensive foul, but it's not getting called, man. Like, I mean, you you know, Draymond's not getting shoved under the basket like that. Even by Giannis. Like, Draymond's just not. And so, I mean, I just, Ben Simmons can do that. Like, he could maybe be in 85 90%, 90%, um, at least defensively. I mean, he's a, he's a wonderful defender. The offensive end, though, he doesn't, the feel and touch just isn't there. You know, he, he shoots his floater the other day, and that winds up being a lob. That, that was a shot, man. That was a, that was a fucking shot that he missed by about two feet off the basket that wound up being caught. I see you're passionate about this. Yeah, I mean, like, the offensive side of the ball has never developed for this guy. The only way he's effective is in transition. And now this is where they really should be pushing him to be Draymond, is the grab-and-goes. They really should be pushing him to be Zion. Grab-and-go, crash the offensive glass. That's what I want to see with Ben Simmons. Find your buckets elsewhere. Don't run anything for him. He shouldn't initiate the offense. Zion should. Ben Simmons shouldn't. He should just be doing every. He should be a screen and he should be screen and roll. Catching lobs. I mean, he should be just a Swiss Army guy. He should be an A plus Jared Vanderbilt. <laughs> but he's still he's still too passive offensively. Yeah. I mean, you said it. There's feel. Avoids there's contact the... because he doesn't want to shoot free throws. Yep. Doesn't yep. want you know finishes only with his right hand because he's well, right handed. Passes two dribbles too early in yeah. situations where he can exert pressure. Picks up when his you... dribble at the elbow all he... the fucking time. And when he's at the elbow. He's playing there to pass, not to score. So again, he's not exerting pressure. And then you you mentioned the feel not being there. It, it, it certainly was better a couple of years ago. But even just physically, he still looks a little stiff. So it's like, the reason I'm nitpicking on this, and we segued from Draymond to this naturally, but Dave, I don't know how you feel about this team, but I'm going to have to whisper this part. Brooklyn's roster is actually really good on paper. Brooklyn has lots of NBA talent. And really good players. On paper. Does so Brooklyn you, so have those guys on the court? 
for well, if jo- I, what I mean is like games. If, no, that's what I mean. If like yeah. Joe Harris is healthy, which he's not, and Kyrie Irving plays basketball, and Kevin Durant wants to play, Kevin Durant. I think you know, it's a health thing with KD. If KD can stay healthy, he's gonna. He, you know, I think you know what you're getting from KD if he's healthy. Okay, but then you get like like. Here's their team. Let me just throw guys out there that are legitimate rotation players for Brooklyn. Uh, Claxton, Simmons, Durant, Harris, Irving, we talked about. Royce O'Neal, Ty Warren, Patty Patty Mills, Mills. Cam Thomas, Joe Harris, and I'm saving my favorite for last, Seth Curry, who's who's a really good basketball player and fits well in these situations Mm -hmm. around talent. That's a ton of talent. I mean, what... What's their record going to be in the middle of January? How's their coaching? I think that's a question mark because Steve Nash has been in an extremely dynamic and crazy volatile situation. Um, And he was someone who didn't have any coaching experience beforehand. And so his first year, he has all these lieutenants. He has Mike D'Antoni on the bench, things like that. You're looking to delegate to them just like Steve Kerr did when he came in to Golden State. So that's an important step in any leadership roles to have people around you that you can empower with those decisions. Do they have that? Where's his head in year three? What's the relationship with the players on the team? Those are all big question marks to me. Mm-hmm. And then creativity, like how are you going to use your players? Is it going to be my turn, your turn? Um, starting no, the season without Joe Harris and, and Seth Curry, like how are you going to find ways to like you're going to need guys to make shots and Royce O'Neal is not really that guy um, on well, either side of the ball to be honest he'll make you, o- he's 3 and D player he'll make open threes he's okay yeah he's okay he'll make, and, uh, he'll make open threes I watched a lot of Utah the last few years and 75% of my job used to be pretending Royce O'Neal was going to hit some threes um, <laughs> wait, and, wait and defend second. opposing wings I know um, but are, yeah. are you are you doing the thing where you say that Royce O'Neal's shooting percentages aren't they don't actually count they don't he, actually go in as no, much as the stat fine. sheet says it's, well do they go in when it matters I don't know and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm looking too far ahead but I just look I think Brooklyn should be good they should be good they do have all this talent like I, I can't argue against it I think they're likely top four in the east okay Right now we're, now we're getting somewhere. They're at least top six. They're in the playoff. If we have to differentiate between the playoff and the play-in. They're, no, we're not, I think we, they're won't, in, we good, won't do that on this show. Ten playoff yeah. teams. I think, they're, I think they're in the top six. Uh, top four should not be out of the question. Just, again, like you said, based on talent on paper, they have a pretty good team. I like picking up Royce O'Neal. I like getting Patty Mills back. Uh, again, Seth Curry – one of the what five best shooters in the league? Amazing. Yeah, Joe Harris was okay. But look, here's the, here's the thing: the coaching. I'm not worried about having enough offensive juice. Their 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 sets were not a quote unquote problem last year. They're they're fine. They're whatever. Mm-hmm. When you when you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant playing pickup ball, your offense is going to be good enough if you have some shooters and whatnot. It was defensive X's and O's. It was defensive communication. It was defensive buy-in. It's defensive coaching. So if you have some baseline there that's higher, and like you said, now you're a top four team. Are people feeling better? Are the players in Brooklyn feeling better? Let's remind people 15 years ago. Kobe Bryant asked for a trade in the summer 
and then came in and won MVP. And I think a lot of that is because winning cures everything. When yeah. stuff is clicking with Andrew Bynum and you bring Derek Fisher back and all of a sudden you, you're playing really well. It's a similar thing in Brooklyn. Such a crazy situation the last couple seasons. But that's what I'm asking you, Dave. Like, Do you believe that there's enough there to get them to a place where we should go back to talking about them as a dangerous team in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's just, will they do it, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. But they're, I mean, they have Kevin freaking Durant. And he is still really, really good. Even though there's been a drop-off. And even though there are injury concerns. Like, if Kevin Durant's out on the court, you know what you're going to get. Now, the question is, can they make up for, uh, let's assume, I'll assume, KD's going to play 70 games. Kyrie plays 70 games. If it's like a career year, he's playing 70 games. Ben Simmons plays how many games? You know, you know he's not going to play in Philly, I'm assuming. So I just, I don't know, man. Like, I just worry that they're going to have a math problem with their best players being out. Do they have the depth to make up for it? And are there enough tanking teams that it may not matter? Like, can they pick the spots when they rest guys and watch, you know, because they're going to have to watch Kevin Durant's minute load no matter what. So there are a lot of variables for them, but the talent on paper is there. So they ought to be a top four team in the, like, I think they have more talent than Miami. Yeah. Right. I, I so, agree. but, but I trust Miami because I trust the coaching. I trust the organization. I trust, you know what I mean? I trust the buy-in from every single player. And with Brooklyn, I just don't have that. But if you just like, if it was a 2k team, it's a whole different thing. But okay. Uh, I, I think I see where you're getting. You're yeah. saying as the players miss time, that erodes the record, just like last year when Durant got injured for that stretch. Remember how good they were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they not only were they, they were good defensively early on too. Well, but that was uh, to was me that was just shooting. Yeah, it was, that was full school. Yeah, that was shooting. <laughs> but, but still, like you know what I mean? Like they at least were playing defense. But by by the time the the season ended, they definitely weren't. <laughs> it was the trust me. It was the same defense. The shots just don't miss forever. You can't, well, you can't run fair. that hot. Yeah. Pleasantville um, defense. All right. Who who else? I mean, Miami. Do you think Miami can win the East? You can't count them out. You think Miami <laughs> I don't can think come they, out of no. the Eastern Conference playoffs? I just don't. I, I mean, Embiid is too big. Giannis is too big. Boston's just too big. And I, I just, Bam's not big enough. All right, we have to talk about Boston. We're t- we started with Draymond and that situation. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Or in Brooklyn and that this situation. We're not going to get into the extramarital office yeah, situations. Okay? What I want to know with I mean, Boston, I- how much does coaching matter? This may not surprise you, but I don't think coaching matters all that much for good teams. I, I think that their uh, ego management matters, right? Like the X and O's matter less and less for good teams. But doesn't that feel like a team where the ego management, like my note was on needed, Boston? Yeah. But man, I they had legitimate coaching problems down the stretch of games. Their offense, they would stop running the offense. So like the coaching, they, they won on talent, man. Their defense was incredible. And if you want to credit some of that to coaching, great. But they have had a really good defense for a really long time. Brad Stevens was an excellent defensive coach so these guys know how to play defense the scheme was fine offensively their offense fell apart down the stretch of games and it cost them finals games and so i I just does the coaching matter that much there i don't know i think for good teams it matters less and less so 
caretaker coach? Can can this guy Trent Dilfer them through the season? I I think it's Luke Waltoning, right? When Steve Kerr. Well, Luke Walton back. clearly had something going. 39, 39 and four. Yeah. Draymond the, Green was shooting what? Like 38, 39% from three during that stretch? But timeout, timeout. <laughs> that team was already, the, the system was already put in place. Luke just had to come in and be the care. He didn't design the garden. He right. was just water coming over every day and turning the sprinklers on. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's what he was doing. Kind of like Steve Kerr did for with Mark Jackson. Was that that's exactly same thing. the yeah, exact same thing, mm-hmm. Dave. I'm glad mm-hmm. you said it, not mm-hmm. me. So my note for the Celtics is they have very combustible personnel. I think <laughs> on the team they have some they have some personalities on the w- team. Was a table flipped at one point? I'm sure in yeah, the history yeah, yeah. of those situations, a table has been flipped. But but what I'm saying here is you've got these two great competing forces. On one hand, you have the talent that you just talked about, and specifically the defensive talent of the Celtics. Holy moly. I mean, are you sitting down? I know you are because I can see you. But I mean, emotionally, are you sitting down and ready to get hit with what I'm about to tell you? How many defensive player of the year candidates <laughs> do the Celtics have? <laughs> well, but I think three. And what's funny is that the, probably the third best guy won it. You think Grant Williams is is better than... Oh, you're saying Grant Williams. I, I think Grant Williams at some point... I mean, he's certainly pesky enough to get under everyone's skin. He's got that Dennis Rodman, wormy, squiggly, guarding... Air. Also, have you seen Grant Williams yet? Have you seen him? He looks like he could wrestle a bear, and I would feel bad for the bear. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. He ripped, he ripped his shoe in half, Dave. He should be fined by the league every time he draws a charge. I don't think he can draw a charge. The man can't fall down. He's like running into a brick wall. So, wait, you're talking Grant Williams. See, I was thinking Jason Tatum. Oh, wow. That's true. Jason Tatum also might be a better defender Listen, than Marcus man, Smart. Jason, Jason Tatum, what he did in the playoffs, uh, I thought he was just insanely good. Well, Al Horford in the playoffs may have been better. (laughs) (laughs) They legitimately, Marcus Smart could have been the fourth or fifth best defender out there for them at times. And yeah, so again, man, like they have the talent. Now, I think the question marks are how do they make up for no Rob Williams early? That not that big of a concern. How does Al Horford like how do you rest Al Horford and still win games while Rob Williams is out to me is the better question to ask. Because you need to rest Al Horford for down the stretch and for the playoffs. Because this team should, you know, they should be in the mix for for making the finals. Like, there's no reason why they they shouldn't. I, I think there are three three teams in the East that that we all consider the favorites, and, and they're one of them. Um, but the Rob Williams question is a big one, man. Like, the, this was not he was not supposed to have to have this surgery, and now you're looking, you know. What if he suffers a setback? Like, does this wind up being a lost year? What's his conditioning going to be like when he does come back? How long is it going to take? You know, can he get ramped up in time for April, May? And can you have your schemes? And you know what I mean? Like, it just is going to get late really, really fast in the East this year. I think Philadelphia is just poised to win so many games. They are going to, they are, they are now, they're the new Houston Rockets. And Joel Embiid might be the new James Harden, meaning he might not make the finals. But that's a whole diff- different conversation. But I think Philly's going to win so many games that it get, it's going to start to get late real fast in the East. And Boston's going to – they're going to be behind the eight ball without Rob Williams. Okay, so you said three teams right there. You said, you said Boston, 
You said Philly, and we got to talk about them more in a second because I think we're we're on the same page when it comes to this Philly team. And the third team, I, I everyone who's listening knows that you're thinking of is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh no! Don't do this to me. <sighs> Again, I watch too much Utah Jazz basketball to to believe in Donovan Mitchell defending oh, up front. Oh, you're thinking that that was about Donovan Mitchell? Oh, this is Evan Mobley. That was, a, that was an Evan. Dave, I'm Probably. lobbing you Sorry. Evan Mobley. I, listen, I would have. Now, if you had caught me for this preview three weeks ago, we're having a different conversation about Evan Mobley. I'm now concerned because of the ankle injury. I'm oh. worried because, I mean, you know how I feel about the ankles. I, I think these guys, they come back too fast and it winds up leading. I, I usually, you know, I, I feel like when they bring these guys back who they just, you know, a little tweak. And they're like, oh, he's out a week. I, I often think that it's a couple of weeks too early, and it leads to bigger problems. I'm worried that that Mobley is going to start out with you know deconditioned because you can't really run or anything you know on your ankle. You can't play basketball on a sprained ankle, so I'm worried about him starting out a little a little slow out of the gate. That being said, I mean the guys, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he made an All Star team this year. No, I, we need to have the petition going right now. He should probably make. The All Star team. I mean, I'm saying this without. Wait, how are you saying it? He didn't play a single game. Just trust a bucket. He and I have scored the same amount of points this season. So by that, you know. Yeah, but he has a lot of potential energy, and you're you're just don't take this the wrong way. But dead cells (laughs) in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, he looked great. He looked great before the. Wait, hang on a second. You like Cleveland better than you like Milwaukee? Nah, I don't. Okay, I don't. Right, I was good. just I good. was throwing you lobs and you I were do like, stuffing them I like back in my Cleveland, face. But Cleveland to me is in that they're you know I have them right below Miami. You know um, I they're kind of in a tier all by themselves, or or maybe it's with Brooklyn. Like it's them, Brooklyn, and Miami are are sort of the next three. Um, and then I put Toronto and Atlanta. Atlanta below that. Wow, I have my doubts about Atlanta. Well, yeah. How many? What is that? Like nine or ten that I have them. How many Somewhere fascinating? Like how many fascinating NBA teams? Minnesota is Minnesota fascinating. is extremely fat because okay, who knows what's we'll, going to happen? We'll talk about them in a second. Cleveland is fascinating. Mitchell again going into a two, you know, the small backcourt situation where he's not going to be able to be the lone small guard, and then playing with like Eastern Conference Rudy Gobert with Jared Allen, but also that's where the Mobley situation comes in because Mobley's a Swiss army knife and, you know, you can you can go small, quote-unquote small, and play seven-foot Mobley at center. You can have Mobley as sort of a weak side guy. He can play wings. It's I, I'm telling you, Dave, Mobley, Mobley should be an all-star this year. Are you worried at all about Garland getting lost in the mix here? Um, I think the bigger question is, is Garland the best player in the Cleveland backcourt? You mean right now? Right now, yeah. Well, you know I'm really high on Darius Garland. I, I mean, I, Garland. I think his passing it's unbelievable. Um, it's it's yeah, it's wild, man. And, and, yeah. and it's funny. I think it's his best skill. And, he and he's can, a great and he shooter. Can really shoot. Yeah, he's an um, amazing shooter. And I, I when I watched them last year with Garland, I was thinking, wow, what would this team look like? With Garland running around like Steph Curry, you know what I mean? Well, they, they and they, they did some. Them, of that. Yeah, they yeah. they sent him off ball, and so I think that's part of what's so fascinating about Mitchell's role there 
is he going to try to score 28 points a game? The thing about Mitchell that I always bring up, and I always bring it up every time your co-host Seth Partnow and I on Nerdish She Wrote <laughs> on The Athletic, every time, we, every time we butt heads about Mitchell, and we've been going back and forth with Mitchell and um, Hall of Fame All-NBA first team player Devin Booker. Um, I, I guess I forgot he even made All-NBA. That's what I'm saying. That's my whole point. Yeah. Uh, and, anyway, I digress. Should uh, probably just stop having these awards the the thing the thing that i the thing that i always remind people uh, especially seth about mitchell i don't think we internalize how good of a shooter he is fantastic shooter amazing shooting indicators and so what that means is if they somehow find a way for him to blend and garland to make the decisions more and garland to have all this passing and on ball juice but to your point Mitchell is great getting downhill as a playmaker and collapsing the paint and Garland can play off ball and Garland catch Garland catch and shoot is just deadly. If those guys can do their thing and bring everyone else along and then the defense works, that's where Cleveland gets really, really interesting to me. And I don't know how uh, Karis Levert fits into all that, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They should talk to Jeff Hornacek about his offense and, and making like multiple point guards essentially because that's what you've got right multiple point guards making it work. Um, I want to see more Mobley with the ball in his hands. Maybe maybe you're running guys off screen so Mobley is up top. You know, like let him handle the ball a little bit because um, it's playmaking. That's that's the leap that's that's coming for him is as a playmaker. All right. So how many teams is that that we? Having the playoffs in, in the, the East. In the East, I've got. I mean, I, I think Milwaukee. Yeah, I think Philly. Philly looks like a team. I mean, Built we to have be a new, one seed to me. One seed, absolutely. And and Tyrese Maxey is the key to the whole thing. Good grief, man! To me, does what's the deal? Is he like a forty-one percent three-point shooter? All right. I, so this was obvious to me when he was coming into the draft that this guy was going to shoot. His form, like everything about the way he shoots is confident. It looks great. He's always in rhythm. He's got good balance. He's a crazy athlete. He's really fast. I, I just, they got a steal when they drafted him. And yeah, I think he's a 41% three-point shooter. I think that he just is. They are one of the few teams that I look at and you start watching them play and you see the lineups they throw out there. And I go, man, I really want them to make a trade. Not for a player. I want them to get pieces, three and D guys, shooters, whatever you need. I don't care what you want. Backup point guard, center. I don't care what you want. I want Tobias Harris to be swapped out for something. I think it would just make that whole thing hum. He's the guy to me that I'm like. He's gonna eat. He's gonna eat some of these pick and roll possessions that ought to go to Maxi. Yeah, and, yeah, and Doc have, Rivers loves to give him pick and roll. He left. Doc Rivers loves Tobias Harris. And he has for Tobias a while. Harris should love Doc Rivers. He keeps getting paid. <laughs> so you know, I, Orlando could have kicked the tires on Tobias Harris a while back, but a little too late. The problem is, this is not the year to have a guy like Tobias Harris exactly, on your roster. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because nobody wants him. Nobody's trying to make the playoff. All these bad teams just want to stay bad. Well, I want his. If you look at the team, especially with Embiid. Harden, I think Harden will be a little better this year. I think it was also a little overstated how much of a decline he had last year. Then mm. you have the Maxi situation, and they've got these other guys. You know, Montrez Harrell, 
second unit Harden and Montrez Harrell second units Maxi second unit like they have Spam. all this exactly they have all this juice in the regular season and what I want when I look at Harris is like I want Matisse Thibel who can make threes that's what I want I want a guy in there who can defend play connective tissue smart basketball on offense and make threes and it's like if I had that I would I would I would be talking championship stuff they traded Danny Green, though, so... Oh, should we stop the show and have a, a moment of silence for you, Dave? Hey, Danny is Green, the, look, man... Is the Danny Memphis, Green era over? If Memphis wins the title this year, it's because Danny Green came back and and made a, an impact in the playoffs. He took Dylan Brooks' minutes. That, that, that'll be the story of the season. As longtime listeners know, I pay attention to no one else's forecast prognostications. I haven't checked the betting lines. I don't know what anyone thinks. Dave, you usually don't pay attention to that stuff either. <laughs> At all. Is Embiid the favorite to win the MVP this year? Um, it's him or Luca. Those those guys are the yeah. considered the favorites. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, they would be to me. Um, I, I because the narrative is so important, right? Uh, the one thing that you could argue with Embiid, he was so close last year. He's going to be on a lot of people's minds. Like, he's going to be front of mind. I still think he's going to score like 30 a game again. Yeah. He's yeah. still going to defend at a high level. They're going to win so many games. And I think James Harden likely takes a big enough step back, at least, you know, from a statistical standpoint, that you're not going to see so many people knock Embiid for having James Harden. Now, Maxi might be a thing where they're like, well, look, he's got Harden and Maxi. It's too easy. Um, but, and Luca has not much help. So I, I think that that's, but Dallas is not as good as Philly. Philly is much better. Dallas is not like they were, I, I think their, their Western conference run a little bit of fool's gold, not to keep using that word, but a little bit of that. Um, and, and I don't even know that they got better. Uh, they maybe got worse, but the West got better. So it's going to be a tougher road for them anyway. So I think, yeah, and Embiid likely is the favorite like if you were saying, you know, give you a prediction, I, I think that the safe bet is probably Embiid. I think it's the one seed thing. I right, think if they're they, going to win sixty games, man. Yeah, if if you if you win sixty games in the NBA these days and you finish at the top of the conference and you put up the offensive stats, I actually disagree with you a little. I think in the regular season, his defense has gotten a little leakier. You know what I mean? Sure, but, but, yeah, yeah, but, but he'll the voters, shots and he'll rebound, right? Like exactly, the voters aren't going to notice that level of detail especially just given his reputation and his stature. And you cover up that when you end up with 58 or 60 wins and you finish at the top of the conference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, he's, he's got to be a pretty strong bet because uh, his, his offensive, his scoring game is just... That dude's one of the best scorers ever, man. I mean, it, he, his scoring game is absolutely spectacular. It, it's, right. in, it's incredible to me that a guy who picked up the sport so late, so late, has that kind of touch... And then you watch Ben Simmons, and it's like he's playing with, like, you know, winter mittens on. Ben Simmons can't catch a pass. When someone throws a bullet pass to Ben Simmons, he has to knock it down. He never catches the ball. That is like a real thing. And and then you watch Embiid, and it's this guy is just, he was born with it. Beautiful player. Anyone else in the East you want to? Discuss before we flip to the West. <laughs> Toronto. Toronto is very fun, right? Yeah, speaking you must of like mittens, Toronto. Speaking of mittens. Yeah. I, Cold well, weather. You know what's funny is Toronto, you know, if Dave DeFore built a team, 
Toronto is a lot of what it would look like. Guys who are 6'6 to 6'9 that can do everything except for shoot. That's the problem. <laughs> they have no shooting. The, the, uh, <laughs> the Siakam, the whole idea of like Siakam at center, Scotty Barnes, who's been in the weight room to use a Looks Dave Dufour euphemism. Um, OG Ananobi. now. Get some veins popping. OG Ananobi, I feel like every year there's a contingent of NBA media that's like, this is the year for OG Ananobi. And I believe that ship has sailed. But what Well, this OG, is the year for OG this Ananobi. Is, this is the year. This, this is the year that he gets traded. <laughs> no, I think he gets incrementally better every he's year. He's good. He's he their, he's their stretch better. five for real. Oh, that's the way he plays defense, man. Like, I mean, that guy, like, I, I like OG a lot. Um, I th- I do think he's kind of going to be the odd, odd man out there, though. They got too many guys. They they have got to consolidate at some point. They have no Ooh. shooting. They, Fred Van Vliet's not enough shooting. <laughs> right, but who's the extra guy if right now your personnel are uh, Fred, Gary Trent, and the front line? I well, they're going to need a big at some point. I think Nurse is... I think Nurse is excited. He's got the mad scientist cap going on. I think he's excited about Siakam at center. Precious. I think, he's even, I think he's even more excited about Barnes at center. I think he's most excited about OG at center. Well, I, I would be not excited about Joel Embiid at center. And Joel Embiid scoring two points per post-up. So they need to do the, um, like... Scott Pollard thing, right? They need to be <laughs> yeah. the kings and bring in to just sign a guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it would be like um, Matt like Iger. So like Max Maxi Kleba is the Zion stopper. He is like the only guy who can guard Zion straight up. It's crazy. So like eventually, when Zion runs the league, I think Maxi Kleba stays in a job just because he's good. But they need right, that guy for Embiid. So they need to sign, uh, be able to sign Giannis actually, just for those games. We're officially switching to the West, which means about an hour of Denver Nuggets talk <laughs> is coming up. Um, oh, my God, be- man. Before we, before we do that, you mentioned Zion. How, how do you feel about the 2023 season for Williamson? He looks, I mean, it looks to me like it's going to take some time for him to get his sea legs back. He, it's been well documented that he's trimmed down a little bit, but he's still... I want to say almost looks bigger than the point Zion uh, iteration we saw with Stan Van Gundy. And that gets me to my most important thought and question for you, Dave, which is, are we going to see totally different actions? Is he going to be used totally differently? And if that's the case and you've got CJ and Ingram and they're kind of more like fitting Zion into the offense we saw at the end of last year, what do we expect for him this season? Uh, I want to start with the body as usual. Um, I think he looks great. Compared to what we saw previously. Yeah. It's not enough, man. Um, He needs to be leaner. Yep. Plain and simple. And I'm assuming he works with a biomechanics guy because the running was, the gait was awful. The landing was even worse. I mean, this is a guy whose body type is not necessarily built for basketball. So you've got to design it now to work for the sport. And I think that they haven't gone far enough. That's first. But big step, just being in game, like he's in game shape. He can play. Two, I think that Zion and what has made him special so far when he's played, I think he's played 85 career games or something like that. I Have they run 85 plays for that guy? Maybe not, man. He picks up buckets just around 
the action. He gets the offensive rebounds. He gets the grab-and-go rebounds and, and takes it down, and he's a good enough passer to find guys. He can finish. I mean, his, his freaking hands around the basket are incredible. I mean, I've never seen a guy that powerful with hands that soft. So I don't think they should change anything. I think their regular offense, what they were running last year, which, by the way, wasn't amazing. This is a defensive team, right? I mean, I don't think that their offense – it was not like uh, beyond reproach. You could change the offense. I mean, it's not going to hurt anybody's feelings. But I think he should find ways to fit in around what they already do. Hustle plays, play defense. Because we haven't really seen Zion play defense at, at in the NBA at the level that we assumed he would from the jump. We haven't seen it yet. So I want to see that kind of stuff from Zion. Um, I'm not so worried about them changing the offense. I don't think they should. I don't. I don't think you're going to see that defense. I think if anything, the defense looks like it's going to be a bigger problem than when we last saw him. Great. Uh, you've got you've you've already got the sort of side to side awareness movement off ball stuff, and then as he's coming back up to speed, his man defense looks, let's say, very creaky. But I disagree with you a little bit on the offensive side of the ball because I do feel like. One of the things that Van Gundy did very deliberately was put him in those positions to get downhill and, and kind of set up the geometry of the court for him to be able to attack, right? And so what I mean is if you, if you just put him out there like he's another guy and you still have Brandon Ingram and Valanchunas and CJ McCollum running the actions and getting the number of touches they're used to getting – what does that look like? Uh, and I'm not trying to forecast doom. It's quite the opposite. I think the Pelicans are an interesting team in terms of discussing their ceiling. But I, I guess I'm kind of explicitly saying, like, will they build the offense around Zion? Because I actually do think you want to make... It's kind of like Charles Barkley. He just does stuff, but you still want to make sure you put him in the right positions to get downhill. It's Michael Vick, right? you got to find ways. He has to have touches on every possession. Uh, Debo Samuel, right? You find ways to work these types of pieces into your offense, not to go football over here. Steph Curry, right? I would like to see Zion moving without the ball, screening, rolling hard, right? Like he does, you don't necessarily have to put the ball in his hands for him to have success. But his, that's the thing that differentiates him is that at his size, he's able to put the ball on the floor so skillfully and make, and make stuff happen. But if they just stick to the principles of their offense, I think it'll be fine. He'll, he'll slide right in. But well, they shouldn't have to bend things to, to make sure he's getting isolation touches or anything like that. I, I just don't think that's, that's the move. As a matter of fact, I don't even know. Like, I, I mean, he he should shoot threes when he's open with them. But this thing where it's like, well, let's design plays to get Zion going from three. I don't want to see that shit either. Like, I want to see Zion going to the basket. Right, play like Shaq. Yeah, it it was never isolation. It was um, screens or screens inside the line mm-hmm. or handoff action with a screener trying to, to get him to going get downhill him downhill mm-hmm. with enough space. Like, if you build a wall and there's traffic, then any you know he and Giannis and anyone else under the sun have an issue. But if you give him a little space, what he was so good at a few years ago was exploding that huge body into the gap and then jump, stop, go up, finish. And I mean, the dude shot 70% at the rim on like massive rim volume because he's so hard to contain when he's going downhill. So I'm interested to see how that works because I think it does create a range where the Pelicans offense could be pretty good to the Pelicans offense being like, 
frankly, one of the one of the better offenses in the league. And then that always jumps me to the other side of the ball where we started defensively. Do they have enough defensive talent? Herb Jones and then who Dyson Jackson Hayes, maybe yeah, Jackson, Jackson Hayes. Like who, what helped me Jackson out? Jackson Hayes like, has a is a UCL. I mean, isn't that right? Well, did he, he hurt his elbow? He's out. He's out right now. I have no idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll so he's out for a little talk, bit. But. All right, it, it's Herb Jones. I mean, Alvarado, but How, that's not. I don't know. You need a run. guy who's yeah, gonna, and you need Zion to be that that guy. But that's mm. ask Mo about that. I mean, it's just I, I I'm I'm with you, but that's what we need to see. I, I don't expect to see it, but it's what we need to see. I'm excited to see Brandon Ingram and Zion running pick and rolls, though, because I think that that's going to be pretty unique and interesting. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be fun. I think they're going to be good. I think this sort of band that they exist in is a fascinating band, especially because of the playing game, especially because of the competition in the fat sort of part of the league. I mean, maybe more teams than ever think they can win a title. So the difference between winning 53 games this year and winning 43 games this year is kind of a lot in terms of like the way it's like Memphis last year, you know, Memphis last year got up into a level that we thought of Memphis as a deep competitive playoff team. You know, sure enough, they uh, had a competitive series with the eventual champs and the Warriors. It's the difference between that and just being a six or seven seed or something. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with new Orleans and I'm interested to see how it shakes down. Do you, do you feel like they're top six? I haven't, actually even laid out the other i mean let's go to minnesota because i need sure. to get my thoughts straight on yeah, minnesota. yeah we can do that uh they're gonna stagger the two bigs that's what chris finch says he's gonna do so you're gonna start the two of them and then you're gonna get one of them that goes to the bench probably pretty quickly and if each of them play 32 minutes a game they'll play a handful of minutes together and the rest of the time you'll have at least one of them on the court and then close too big I think, the majority of the time yeah i think you're gonna have i think you're gonna have them closing uh the majority of the time maybe depending on matchup or whatever but the thing is i originally thought you know you have gobert he's obviously a drop big he's obviously one of the best drop bigs of this generation maybe era if i can use that term back in a day when they didn't drop big men on high pick and roll so your defense should be good and now i'm wondering looking at Towns playing a lot of minutes at the four. D'Angelo Russell being out there. You still have a young Anthony Edwards. Dave, you feel this more than anyone I know. I want and need Anthony Edwards to make a leap to really take this team into a comfort zone for me near the top of the conference. And I don't quite think we're going to get that, at least not at the beginning of the season. If he goes there, it's probably going to be in a couple months, the way Tatum ascended midseason a couple years ago. But when I turn on the preseason, I don't see Ant, boom, that huge pop that you want when he's going to make the leap. And that makes me wonder, like, now they're playing a different scheme defensively than they were last year. Completely different scheme. We had a video on the Thinking Basketball YouTube channel about D'Angelo Russell as a roamer and how they're using Vanderbilt and this chaotic action behind the play to really help uh, protect Cat in the hedge. It's going to be a completely different defensive scheme. What does that do to the other guys? What does that do to D'Angelo Russell's communication skills as a defender? All of this is a way to say, I'm no longer convinced they're going to be that automatic like top three defense. And then how do the rest of the cards fall into place? Jaden McDaniels is going to be 
probably the best perimeter defender that Rudy Gobert's ever played with. I think that's a, that's significant. That's true. Um, I, I, that's I like significant. that element. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Edwards, by the way, stout defender. Like he's strong. I'm not going to say he's a good defender, but he's he's a I'd, I'd put him above average. He I think also he, was in the weight room this summer. Looks looks fantastic. Was doing squats with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, well, Ka- Kawhi looks like he's been on the Dave Leg Program. I, I'm pretty impressed by Kawhi's uh, tree trunks. Uh, but I, I think Anthony Edwards. One of my th- the things that I like about Anthony Edwards, and this is going to sound so funny, uh, but he has the dog in him. Man. Like he really does have the dog in him. Like he wants to be a good defender, and that matters. I think their defense is going to be fine. I worry about Cat. I don't know. I don't know how many games I'd want to close with Cat um, because you know he's so easily exploited defensively. But- so you want to close? You want to close lineups in Minnesota without their franchise player? I would think about trading Cat, but that's just me. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you could probably get the rest of a really good team for Cat. Wow. Like you could? Could you do the Herschel Walker trade with Carl Anthony Towns? You know, going, you know, young, out of Minnesota. Young listeners who follow politics are so confused by what <laughs> yeah, the Herschel fuck. Walker trade is right now. It means that they're gonna they're gonna get a king's ransom. Do something from one dumb. Yeah. yeah, it means they're gonna <laughs> eat a salad and gain forty yeah. pounds of muscle. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, only on push-ups. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I'm teasing a little bit here um, with, with the cat stuff. But I, I do want to talk about Anthony Edwards, man. I, um, he has to take a lead. The, the, the Gobert trade is for two years, really. It's for this year and it's for next year. They need Anthony Edwards to go ahead and jump to year four, like now. I think he was pressing a little bit what I saw of him in the preseason. Maybe that's just like being a little experimental, trying new stuff. I don't know, but I thought he was pressing a little bit. Um, that being said, if you ask me to pick a dark horse MVP candidate, there are worse picks than Anthony Edwards. Because they might be a top three team in the West because Rudy Gobert is typically a walking top five defense and he's going to actually have some perimeter defenders to to play around with. So I, I'm higher on Minnesota maybe than you are. I like this. Keep talking. So you, you think Minnesota regular season? Because these are my regular initial... Regular season. Yeah, regular yeah. season. My initial results were like... Flexibility too, man. You know, you can play Cat as your small ball five to close games if you need to. Like, if you need more offense than defense, right? Like, you can go there. I just think that they've got a lot of flexibility. And D'Angelo Russell is in a contract year. Okay. What if he's really good? Do you, do you trust them more than Memphis? Well, no. But I think that on paper, their regular season, they could win more games. I think Memphis is going to take a little bit of a step back. I, I think so, too. Yeah. They got worse. They yeah. lost DeAnthony Melton. They lost Kyle Anderson, which is actually even bigger than, than losing Melton. And Jaron Jackson's going to miss like 10 to 15 games to start the season. At least. We don't At know. least. Yeah. And, and then, again, there's the whole ramping up conditioning thing. Yeah. They're going to be a step, a step slow. And well, Ja already misses a bunch of games. And they have to play with Ja. And, of course, last year without Ja, they were the greatest team ever. And <laughs> their, re- their record was ridiculous. I, well, their defense is going to take a step back without Jaron. That's yeah. the th- that's the big trick is that to, to start the season, their defense is going to be out of sync. How long does it take them to fix that? Okay, so what about Phoenix? Do you trust Minnesota more than Phoenix? Yeah, 
I so, think so. So Phoenix is, this goes back to your vibes. The, it's the vibes, yeah. bro. I like, I, I don't know, man. You, you probably doesn't hurt to want to work in the place where you work, right? This For is, your vibes. That this, being said, Aiton has been good. He has been really good in the preseason. I, they're, they're saying he hasn't talked to Monty Williams in like a year. My note, my first note on Phoenix, Dave. My little, I got little notes on each team so, that, uh, so I can remember what the heck I've been watching. Vibes, question mark. That's the note. I mean, look, Chris Paul's in year three. Chris Paul is a demanding personality. Devin Booker is now one of the great Hall of Famers in NBA history with the, with the <laughs> magics and the birds of the world. Um, here's my Phoenix question. My, my crazy what if. I like what ifs that are very atypical. What if Phoenix lost to the Lakers in 2021 in the first round when they were down 2-1, everybody stayed healthy? Would that psychologically have been better for the Suns mm. than what happened with them making the finals going up 2-0, losing after going up 2-0, which has its own psychological thing, then having the regular season they had last year, all of the shine that they got, and then losing to Dallas after being up 2-0 again. And, of course, uh, what was the score of that game, 7? 171 <sighs> to 86? It was an ass-kicking. It was an it was an embarrassment, right? Like, that's the kind of... I'm not saying a coach gets fired after that kind of game, but... Coaches get fired. Coaches after, get yeah. fired for that kind of game. Uh, not Monty Williams, coach of the year. No, no way. Well, but. that's the flip side of this, right? Like, Monty Williams is such a good coach in the regular season, and he's got... There's so much pride and talent on that team. You Aiton's good, and if he's playing well, regardless of what's happening, you've got Mikael Bridges. Uh, Booker and Paul are still an elite backcourt. I, Paul also drinks from the fountain of youth. I mean, that guy just just knows how to play basketball. But you trust Minnesota more. I, I trust. I mean, I trust the youth for sure um, over Chris Paul. I trust Rudy Gobert being a top five defense by himself over. You know, whatever's going on with Phoenix. I mean, Jay Crowder's not coming back. Right. Yeah. Chris Paul, year three, like, you Dar know. Dario Saric wants a trade away from the team. Wait, that's news to me. Because I was actually going to mention, oh, at least they're getting Dario back. No, but. isn't that? I that was, I was watching the game the other night. And they said they're trying to work out a trade. Huh. Weird. I yeah. did, that's news to me. Well, no, breaking I, news. I'm just re, I'm just repeating what I heard. My own personal so, woes. I, I appreciate I that. I, I, I take no responsibility. <laughs> Please make a graphic with your face on it. If that story is wrong. <laughs> um, so we're trying to list the best teams in the West. Uh, we haven't mentioned the Lakers. That's because they're not one of the best teams in the West. <laughs> the, the Clippers. Oh, did, sorry. Did you want to talk about the Lakers? Seriously, I was... The Lakers giving up this year's draft pick and it being like... Scoot Henderson is going to be so amazing. I just assume that you don't have the Lakers in the play-in game, so we could go to the other team. In LA. There is, th look, I don't think LeBron James will play in a play-in game. Period. You mean he's either going to get them into the sixth position, or once or they're going to tank yeah. out of the play-in, just like they did last year? Dave, we should we should add them to the Victor <laughs> Wembanyama Tank Festival. Another well, potential again, team. Doesn't, the Pelicans get this pick, right? Yeah. Uh, man, does that ruin the Lakers going full tank? Yeah, they can't. There's no way they you're going to get up to your 10 yeah. to 12 teams that you... 
started with at the beginning <laughs> of the show. Uh, the Clippers, do you trust Minnesota more than the Clippers? It, let's, no. let's, in the regular season. It's all, and it's all based on, I love that Minnesota is like the barometer here. It's like, we are, our measuring stick for uh, trust and stability are the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, they're gatekeeping this podcast right now because... You know, we're trying to figure out what to do with them. And there are a lot of good teams in the West. And you, I'll give you an easier. Let's do an easier one, Dave. Let's well, Clippers are easy to me. I, I trust the Clippers more than I trust Minnesota. Okay. Because their they're question marks are health. And, and I can't. Um, I mean, Kawhi Leonard tore his ACL. That doesn't necessarily mean like it's not in, like an injury prone situation. It's not like a back. Um, you know, Paul George. He's going to miss a bunch of games. We know he's going to. But neither one of those guys is going to play more than 65 games. But they have every wing in the league that team has pieces that I mean Brandon Boston Jr. is not even going to play that dude can play he's going to play they, they are going to well they've got pieces to trade they've got pieces to keep uh Kawhi and Paul George those guys play 24 minutes a night for 65 games and they still could win 55 games like they, they are really good they have the most modern team maybe it's a postmodern team that's ever been assembled, I think. This is, these are the kind of lineups that the Clippers can run out there. They will be playing Robert Covington, Nick Batum, or Marcus Morris at center. In, and then they're going to start with Zubach and things like that. But that's the wing collection that they're tapping into to play center. Then you're going to have Kawhi. You're going to have Paul George, by the way, 6'9", you know, 7-foot wingspan, whatever. going to play some center. He's gonna, they can play him at center if they want. Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Reggie Jackson. We haven't even mentioned Future Brandon. all-star starter, Norman Powell. Norman Powell. Reggie Jackson. John Wall, I, who I, looks great. No, I, the John, I can't go that far. Oh, he looks awesome. I can't John go. Wall with a bunch of wings who can shoot. And will shoot threes. That's easy money. That is easy money. And he can run now. In the sense that, like, Ricky Rubio was a good backup point guard before his injury? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can yeah. come with you there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, he's going to give them, uh, I mean, speed off the bench is, is vital. I mean, I think in basketball, right? Like, that. But they're so slow. Universal. What's, how is this team so slow? What's, it's the strangest paradox. They're I've, strong as shit, though. They're like for for as slow as they are, they Why are extremely are they so strong. Slow? It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. They There's, spend all that time in the weight room, man. Kawhi looks like he could squat an elephant, and his what do you think his forty yard dash is? I'm going five eight is the over under. Oh, I think he can go faster than that. Have you seen the Clippers run in transition, Dave? Yeah, but Kawhi doesn't do anything in a hurry. They're, that's what I mean. They're, they're, He's not an explosive athlete. They're, they were already a slow... The construction of this team is already slow. But I think the idea of the team is just as sort of modern, switchy, skilled, 3 and D, 5 out, while being defensively successful. I think they're completely built for the postseason. Completely built for the postseason, wherever yeah. they end up in the playoffs. And they have the ability to get better this season because they have all these wings that they can move. And they have young wings. They have veteran wings. You know what I mean? Like So they can they can make some consolidation trades that other teams might not be able to. I don't want them to move anyone. I want to get <laughs> confused every time I watch a Clippers game. One night I want to tune in and I want to see Amir Coffey and Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson 
and two weeks later, I want to turn it on and I want it to be John Wall and Brandon Bob Brandon Boston Jr. And who have I not? Kawhi said? Leonard's playing center. Kawhi Leonard at center, <laughs> and I'm just I'm so confused. And they keep playing the same way and winning. We'll probably come back to the the Clippers in a minute at the end of the show. But how many other West teams could beat Minnesota here? Dallas, right? Is that the only um, other one? I think Dallas is. I'm on the fence about it, man. Um, you know, if we're talking playoffs, I, I think it's a little different. But um, regular season, I, I just don't know if Dallas is going to have the. I, I don't know if they're going to be like top four. I, I think Minnesota is is going to be three or four. Um, I got I have Golden State and the Clippers as the top two teams in the West. I think that you know whether we're talking wins or whatever in the regular season, I don't know because of course the Warriors may not chase a lot of wins because they're going to watch. Steph's minutes and Clay's minutes. But I think those are the two best teams in the West. Whoa, whoa. There's another team. I need to get my Yoda. There is another voice out here. There's another. Oh, you have another team in the oh, top I two? I do, yes. I have I have another team in the top two. Uh, Denver. The, the, Clippers, the Clippers, I can see the idea of them being the championship favorites. But that's a postseason thing. I still mm-hmm. don't know how many games they're going to win. The Warriors are interesting in that regard. Uh, you know, we we kicked off with them. If the regular season goes well, if the team goes well, if Draymond Green's in shape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I can see the Warriors winning another title. And I think in the regular season, I think they'll win enough games. I don't think they'll have a collapsing regular season or anything like that. There's just too much, too much depth, too much talent. But Denver, Dave, can we just spend the rest of the show Contavious on Denver? Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Bruce Brown. Contavious Caldwell Pope with Nikola Jokic. It's a dream come true for it, me. Man. It's, a, it is, <laughs> it's a fucking dream come true. This is, Dave used to I just mean, text me. He'd be like, can Denver get KCP, please, to play with I, Jokic? He would send these, honestly, send these texts at three in the morning. It really is. I, what about Bruce Brown? Great. Cool. Great. Contavious Caldwell Pope, no, a Bruce. three and D wing that also knows how to cut, that plays games. He doesn't miss games. That's it. He is he is maybe in the the mold of Danny Green, right? Like you know, my favorite guy. When KCP's best games, you don't even realize he's out there. It's just exactly what they needed. Bruce Brown at center. Oh, it's gonna Bruce, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown at a, center. Michael Bruce Brown as a cutter off of Jokic is going to just is going to break our brains. Michael Porter Jr. at power forward. Is he? How many shots is he going to take K- a game? KCP. How many shots? Wait, K- I want to know. Hold on, hold how many on, shots is Michael Porter Jr. Let me Jr. finish my game? dream lineup. <laughs> Let me finish my dream lineup. K- KCP at small forward. Jamal Murray at shooting guard. Nikola Jokic at point guard. Point guard. Yeah, that's. That's, and then Aaron Gordon gets to play on the team in some sort of Sean Marion just do things. Bones Highland is now the backup point guard, and he can play off ball and shoot a little bit. I, Him and Murray together is super fascinating to me. If Port, and these are big ifs with Denver, as we know, the air up there is very thin. Anything can happen. If Michael Porter Jr. stays healthy, his shot making and his three point shooting is off the charts. If Jamal Murray is even just 80% of Jamal Murray, the last time we really saw him help, maybe 90%. I was going to say 80% of 
bubble Jamal Murray, but 80% of bubble Jamal Murray is like peak Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was, he was a little different. But but if he's healthy and all these guys are out there, Dave, have you seen Jokic in the preseason? Whatever he was doing with the horses, the rest of the league needs to adopt that. He looks amazing. It's Eurobasket. He looks unbelievable. Have you seen this man move? He's seven feet tall. This is actually, and it's funny, I didn't bring this up with Luca, like as the dark horse MVP guy, but these Eurobasket, these guys coming off Eurobasket are in better shape. Plain Yo- and simple. Like, Yo- they're hitting the ground running. Jokic is the dark horse MVP. I mean, but we know how the voting works. That's why he's the dark horse. They MVP will have candidate. to be the number one. They'll have to be the number one seed. They still and he will, and, and he would, win. he would basically have to do what he did the last two seasons, which are two of the greatest. Yeah, he still won't win historical seasons ever. Yeah, I still don't think he's going to win. But but I think the thing with the Nuggets is if they are healthy, let's say let's say we're going into the playoffs and we know Denver's healthy. The regular season indicators I want to see are what is the offensive rating with the lineups out there that feature Jokic, uh, Porter Jr., and Murray, and of course, I assume you're going to have guys like KCP or whatever. Aaron Gordon. What is the offensive rating of those lineups? Because I could see it being 15 points ahead of the league. Just absolutely ridiculous numbers. If league average is like 110, I think those guys can touch... 125 when they're out there. And if I see that, then I think Denver... Well, should we just jump to the end of the show? I mean, Dave, who can who can win a championship this year? How many Oof. teams can win a championship? Now that's a question. Because Denver is one of those teams to me. If we, put a, if we put a range on all these teams and we said, look, a handful of teams that we talked about can finish the one seed in the East. We know Milwaukee can do it, right? We know Philadelphia can do it. We talked about them. Maybe everything goes great for Brooklyn. They do it. I think that's less likely, but whatever. We put a range on these teams. And we said, let's shift our brain to the playoffs. How many teams do you think can make it through those four rounds, winning the finals and taking home a title? Because I think healthy Denver Nuggets can do it. I think three in the West. Denver, Clippers, Clippers, Warriors. Those three are the three I would pick in the West. Yep. And I think, Boston and Milwaukee in the East. Um, I don't know if I can trust Philly in the playoffs, but Boston and Milwaukee in the East. So does that mean you don't think Philly, well, it's too strong of a phrasing, but do you think it's less likely that Philly even gets out of the East? In other words, like, do you yeah, see Philly I, getting I to the think, finals? I think Philly it, could make the conference finals, but I, I don't, I think, I, I like them better against Boston than I like them against Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis is still the best player in the world, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's in that conversation. Yeah, I think um, he is. Yeah. 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 And um, because there's, like, multiple guys in that conversation well, at any given but, moment. Right? But I think he, unless something drastically changes in the next couple months, guys like him and Jokic right. are going to be at that level this season, right? Mm-hmm. You're just going to say one of these guys is going to be most likely to be best mm-hmm. player in the world. And Embiid is like right. And Embiid's pretty there. close. Yeah, but I think that that difference, and also like Chris Middleton will be back, and Milwaukee has a good team. Um, but I guess my question with Milwaukee is, how many times in the modern NBA can you run the same iteration of the same team out there, and do, do you gain stuff by experience from that, or is it like we've seen the same thing 
over and over again so everyone understands kind of exactly what it is. It's almost, it gets a little 90s Utah Jazz-ish where it's like, you know Milwaukee's going to be fantastic, but do teams know how to deal with them when they get into a postseason series? And theoretically, you're going to have two, if not three opponents at that level when you get to the tournament. That's a good, that's a good question. You know, is Milwaukee banking on Giannis being able to out Giannis, you know, the situation? I, I don't know. I'd, I'd bet on that. You'd bet on him being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Especially with Middleton out there. But, uh, and, and maybe, maybe this is me underselling Philly in the playoffs. I mean, we, you know, we haven't seen it yet, so who knows, but I do think that they're going to crank out a lot of regular season wins. And if you do that, look, man, there's nothing to say that you can't, you know, surprise me in the playoffs. I mean, you know. Okay. The Philly thing, though, because I think I'm with you and that I like them better in the regular season. I have said this before. I don't love some of Doc Rivers' playoff coaching. So the question becomes, are you saying that this is fundamentally a thing that kind of prevents them from hitting a certain level of play, right? Or is it the kind of thing where you're just a little bit lower on them than we are in the regular season, and therefore, every time they have to play a title contender, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, they could get to the finals, but they might, you know, peter out. What's their curveball? I know what their fastball is going to be, Right. It's going to be Embiid. It's going to be Harden, Embiid, pick and roll. It's going to be Embiid post-up. What is their curveball? I think their curveball, to me, would have to be suffocating defense consistently. That's what Is that attainable for them? I right? don't know. I don't know. Can Embiid do that 40 minutes a game and, yeah. you know, once you get to the playoffs? I just don't think – I don't think he can. Um, I think they, they might be a guy short. You know what I mean? Uh, can they get Jared Vanderbilt <laughs> – <laughs> you've spent you spent the last hour and Phil 20 minutes ben, i just need jared vanderbilt jared, to get yeah. off the utah jazz he's too he's too it's fun too of a player right yeah. and, and he could fill that ben simmons sized hole in their in their rotation uh so you don't think brooklyn could come out of the east i mean they've got kevin durant so i, I can't count him out but i don't expect him to no i don't think they're gonna have the defense for it Celtics. It's kind of the same thing with maybe the same thing with Philly there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, Philly's going to have a, their baseline defense is going to be much better than Brooklyn's, right? But defensive ceiling is where, where I worry about them in the playoffs. Yeah. Cause I feel like Milwaukee's curveball is suffocating defense. The Celtics start with suffocating defense. They, in the later rounds of the playoffs, assuming things go well, well, maybe we're getting too far ahead of ourselves with the Celtics. <laughs> I think we've. Is there anything else we need to cover? Have we covered it all? We talked about the teams that could win a championship. Can we talk about? Can we talk about Steph Curry? Like just for once on this podcast? Like just, just how, once? We didn't even mention Steph. How dare you? What about Steph Curry as MVP this season? I think he's on the decline. I think it's a gentle decline. Mm-hmm. But you well, said because. It, by function of the way he plays, right? Yeah, of course. You said it earlier. 28 minutes a game to start the season. First couple of weeks, he's not going to play more than 33 or 34 minutes. Maybe even Jordan, 32 minutes. And Jordan Poole is going to look good. Jordan Poole's going to get touches. <laughs> they just have a lot of depth. I think Clay Thompson's looking more comfortable. You already season. got people bringing up Joe Montana and Steve Young. 
Are you? Are you? No. By no. There's no way. No. There's okay. no way. No, there's no way. We're not trading Steph Curry on this podcast. No. No. But I'm just saying. Uh, I think last year, part of part of the Devin Booker tongue in cheek bit we've been running throughout this episode is that Devin Booker finished way above Steph Curry in every accolade, and that to me. If you, the only reason I bring this up is because we just did the summer series where we went through the top 40 careers in history, and we had all this voting data going back to the 60s, the 70s, and then once you get to the 80s, it's really comprehensive, and it looks like genuinely one of the strangest voting results in NBA history for a player of Steph Curry's caliber, and that's my whole point. He's still there. He's just not his peak. He's just declining gently. He had the year last year. Golden State was not expected to be great. And they were. And he still got like one fifth place vote for MVP. So I just think with the depth that they have now with Clay Thompson. Remember, Clay wasn't there for most of the year last year. I, I just think the ship has completely sailed on any of those kind of regular season accolades where the voters, you know, one of the things that they held against Steph last year was that he didn't play that much. And then you actually look at the games totals at the end of the season and he's playing the same as everybody else. Dave, just trust me when I say it is genuinely the strangest voting result in NBA history. I just don't understand it, man. This guy is the best. Guy's the best player in NBA history. I don't get it. I, I just don't get the disrespect. No, there's never been a more dangerous player, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, Dave, where anyway. can we ch- where can we uh, support <laughs> you? And check out your work <laughs> over at the Athletic. Hey, the, the Athletic NBA show is actually I'm really proud of it. We we do a good job there, and I love how diverse the show is. Like each and every day, something different, and we do the daily ding, so we still stay between the lines, super heavy. I, I think we're doing a good job. So go and check that out. And you guys are uh, going to be Friday, Friday morning this year. Thursday? Yeah, Ner- Nerder will be Friday morning, every Friday morning, just uh, just like we have been the last couple of years. Yeah, and uh, I don't know when this is going out, but we're doing a live stream opening day. I don't. Is this going to be today? Is opening day? What are you talking? There you about? go. So we're yeah. doing a live stream. Uh, if you're hearing this, I've already done it. No, uh, it should be. Uh, I think it's a uh, three Eastern, noon Pacific on October 18th. So opening day. We'll, that'll be a fun time. Once again, today is opening day. Opening Dave, day. Dave is referring to later yes. in the day. He's very confused opening day. about opening the day. calendar. Uh, if you want to directly support this show, check out patreon.com slash thinkingbasketball. We've got a ton of extras. We had a ton of extras from our Top 40 Career Series over the summer. We have an historical database. As the season kicks off, we, were, we will have our in-season leaderboard of proprietary metrics a community with a live Q&A and a bunch more. Patreon.com slash Thinking Basketball. A huge thanks to Dave, as always, for coming on and indulging us for just an unlimited amount of time covering. I believe we covered every single team in the NBA this season. So hopefully, actually, no, we're going to get a nasty gram from Washington. I think that's the only team we didn't, we didn't mention the Wizards. Well, should we talk about the Wizards real quick? <laughs> no, we should wrap exactly. the show. Yeah. Uh, patreon.com slash thinking basketball thanks as always for listening all the way through hope you enjoyed this one and of course I really really hope that you are going to enjoy the upcoming NBA season opening night 2023 as always wherever you are I hope you're having a great day 